everyone. Welcome to the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Riley Taylor, our community manager here at Full Circle Music, and I'm so excited for you to hear this upcoming episode because today we are talking with Tommy Prophet about mastering film and TV songwriting. He's a songwriter and producer who has produced for platinum selling artists like Migos, Hunter Hayes, and NF. Tommy produced rapper NF's 2017 single, Let You Down, which went six times platinum, hit number one on Billboard's U.S. mainstream top 40 chart, and surpassed a billion streams worldwide. This was recorded along with our live online audience from our Song Chasers community. You can learn more about Song Chasers at joinsongchasers.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? We got a good one today here. We are in our sync month talking all things film and tv and we have with us today a good friend of mine who is a black belt one might say in the world of film and tv we've got tommy prophet with us today so everybody give him a nice warm digital welcome out there <laughs> thanks for being Man, a, black, a black belt that's crazy thank you <laughs> well you might you might be like a, a, a coral belt to be honest like no 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 step up from black belt <laughs> no no yeah so um no we've got an awesome one today just to give you all out there a little bit of context um on tommy he was on our podcast actually back in 2018 episode 82 and uh so if you, for those of you guys who didn't uh listen to that yet i'll just give you a little bit of background before we jump in because i know tommy's a humble guy he doesn't like bragging about himself so i'm going to brag for him about all the awesome stuff he's uh, accomplished here in the film and TV world. But yeah, over the last few years alone, Tommy's achieved tremendous success as a producer, songwriter, and award-winning composer for TV and film. He's been a lifelong musician who's taught himself to play piano as a child and started producing his own music at age 12. Tommy has earned accolades and acclaim for his genre-warping production work with platinum-selling artists like Migos, Hunter Hayes, Josh Groban, Avril Lavigne, and NF the rapper, singer, songwriter, whose Prophet 2017 single, Let You Down, went six times platinum and hit number one on Billboard's U.S. mainstream top 40 chart and surpassed a billion streams worldwide. That's crazy. That's crazy. Amazing. (laughs) In addition, his cover of Linkin Park's In the End featuring Flurry has accumulated over 75 billion with a B worldwide views and streams across all platforms. Prophet's other productions include the nine... RIAA certified platinum singles, as well as 21 gold singles, two platinum albums, and one gold album, not to mention the ridiculous amount of uh, film and TV placements. It's had over 80 billion global lifetime streams, 1.2 million followers across all his social platforms, has had his work in over 250 sync placements in movie trailers, TV promos, video games, uh, from ABC to NBC to Fox to CBS to ESPN to NFL to Amazon Prime and so many more. So Are you out of breath yet? I'm out of breath. Jeez. I think you should accomplish a little more in your career, Tommy. Maybe a little longer. No, we we should just say, yeah, Tommy makes music in his house, and that's all you need to know. You know. <laughs> hey, well, I I love that. And, and for, for those who, who didn't get to listen to episode 82, I highly recommend go, going back and listening to that, but just um, quick little uh, two minute catch up on who is Tommy Prophet, Where is he from? And how did this guy who makes music in his house accomplish all of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, 
you know, when I, I guess the last few years have been insane. I mean, I, you know, I moved here right before that uh, NF record kind of blew up, right? I moved to town like Na- Nashville. And so <clears throat> that blew up. And then I was kind of juggling three buckets, like for a long time, I was juggling like the NF bucket, like working with him. He's my friend from Michigan. So we just have done all his work together. And then all like other artists, you know, producing a song here or there for different artists. And then this TV film thing, which I kind of landed in that I love. And that's kind of became like my first love. And that's my biggest passion is doing that. So I'd be releasing, you know, side projects of just different types of cinematic music, originals and covers, you know. And so I was just kind of juggling all those buckets for a long time and it kind of got overwhelming. So I kind of started cutting out other artists and just focusing on the NF piece and then the cinematic piece as well, just because those were my two favorite things to do. And they're kind of, they kind of cross each other. Like NF's music is really cinematic too. You know what I mean? So I'm able to do that a lot in his music. So I just kind of stumbled into it, honestly, just the TV film thing. I never saw that coming. I've always wanted to do that kind of work. I just didn't know the door would open for me. And as soon as it, as soon as it did, I just kind of like ran through it and I've been going ever since, you know, man, that's awesome. And as I said, this month in our song chasers group, we're focusing heavily on sync. Um, how did you, you mentioned you kind of stumbled into it, but how did you like, what was the actual progression of you finding your way into that world and actually sort of making a career making music for sync? Um, well, the context is I, I probably shared this with you before said like, I always listened to trailer music when I was like in high school, like driving to school, listening to trailer music in my car. Right. And everyone else was like listening to the radio whatever top 40 thing is going on at the time. And I was clueless. Like I didn't know what was happening, what songs, what the, who the artists and bands were. And I just listened to soundtracks and trailer music. Um, but I just didn't have an outlet for it, you know, but I studied it and I just had that like, um, very heavy influence, you know, from that. So then when I got published with capital through me and NF's work together, um, they, you know, I was just in town writing, you know, trying a bunch of different things. And one time I was in town and they randomly just said, Hey, we're doing a TV film camp. Do you want to try that? You know? And at the time I didn't know what that was. So I'm like, what's a TV film camp? Like, I don't want to go camping. I'm very indoorsy. I don't, (laughs) I don't camp. Right. I don't do outside. And they're like, Oh no, it's like, it's like where you, write songs for movie trailers. And I just like, my heart jumped out of my chest. You know, I was like, what, that's a thing that you guys do. And so uh, I did that camp and I did two songs that week and both of those pretty quickly landed some pretty big placements. And it was like my first time seeing a song that we made in a trailer. And I think that was the hook for me. It was just like a dream, like for me seeing it, you know what I mean? Along with, it was a Will Smith movie trailer you know, at the time, the first one. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what is this world? I just stumbled into, you know? And so I just, they didn't even know that I liked, uh, cinematic music when they asked me to be a part of the TV film camp. I think they just were like, Hey, why don't you try this and see if something happens, you know? And so they kind of created a, a whole monster thing there just 
And then, and then what's funny is after that, that's all I wanted to do. And they were like, man, we weren't really equipped for just exclusively sync. You know what I mean? It wasn't like sync wasn't their main focus. And so I was sending them like 80 trailer tracks and they didn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? So we were, we were finding partnerships along the way to help pitch this music and start getting some placements with it. That's awesome. I, I want to talk about that because it, it's obviously a, uh, you know, to achieve this level of success, it takes a team. It takes a village for sure. Totally. And um, I do want to dive into that. Uh, but I also want to talk about, you know, it's interesting. You've, you've been able to, to amass all this success in the sync world, but you don't live in L.A., which is kind of the mecca for all things film and TV. It's where all the trailer houses are. Um, yet you've made an incredible career working on it. Can you talk about how you've kind of navigated that distance or has that even <sighs> not even really been a thought? Um, I think that, I think that started to change a little bit. Like there, there was a growing TV, TV and film scene in Nashville at the time. And it was just, it was kind of just perfect timing, right? Like it was right. Like me and flurry and Sam Tenez all wrote together like for the first time trying to do sync together like that week, the, the TV film camp week. So flurry came in. She's like, I've never written for sync before. What should we do? And I'm like, yeah. And, and she had an idea. And then we, you know, chase that down. And so since then, you know, we've all kind of just built on this sync uh, career and there's just um, there's a lot more people in Nashville doing it now, you know, there's, companies pitching as well as just you know they're, they're bringing a lot of scoring here to nashville for video games and movies and um i i, I don't think any you know nowadays it's kind of like it doesn't really matter where you're located it's so collaborative online and whatever so i've honestly never felt like opportunities were held back because i wasn't in la you know, I've, I've gone to LA, I've done trips and visits and meetings and rights and all that stuff. But I feel like my, most of my team is here and they're crushing it from here. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> there's definitely a big t a sink scene in Nashville, especially today. Yeah. Well, that's that. And, and I'm sure that's good for a lot of people who are listening to this to hear is just, you don't, you don't have to live in LA to be in that world. And it's, it's a good parallel of you really don't have to live any particular location to work in the, in the music world, as long as you're doing killer work, you mentioned, I mean, you have a killer setup there, but it literally is like in your house and we've worked together and, and you, you don't have this big, like, uh, you know, studio on music row or whatever. And you never really have, you've always kind of just done your thing, which I think is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, nowadays, especially my, you know, my first studio in Michigan was literally in my basement and it looked just like a basement. There was, there wasn't anything that made it a studio other than I called it that because it felt official, I guess, you know what I mean? Like it was just, yeah, it's my studio. Cause that's where my computer was, but it, it wasn't like, I didn't have all the stuff. I didn't have multiple rooms and wiring and sound and gear and all that stuff. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent in the box uh, programming plugins, all that stuff. I have one microphone and all I do, all I record now, like with the microphone live audio is, um, vocals. And so I don't, you know, everything is now with 
sound libraries and all that stuff. I mean, you can, you can do anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. So has it always been that way for you as far as like, I mean, you're not pulling out guitars and like micing up guitars and having players come in. I used to do that like 10 years ago. I was, you know, I was just producing, uh, in my basement in Michigan and I was doing like a band every month, you know, or an artist every month, just a different independent album. And so I was miking up a drum kit and whatever it called for, you know, but as I kind of fell into my lane, um, most of the stuff that I do requires just programming. And if I need guitars or drums, you know, there's guys that have a setup in their house that you just send the file and, or the session and they record it and then send you the files. And so I don't need a separate like drum room in my house because I haven't recorded live drums personally since probably 2016. Wow. So, you know I mean? One, if I'm going to do it one time every 10 years, there's no justifying a room for that, you know? <laughs> right. That makes a, a ton of sense. Um, so yeah. Like I said, since we had you on the, on the podcast back in 18, you've made a huge effort to, to put your own music out into the world. That's branded, you know, Tommy profit music and it's paid off big time. You've got over 4 million monthly Spotify listeners. Can you talk about how and sort of why you chose to go that way as far as building your own personal brand as an artist? I remember we wow. just had coffee at one point in first watch and you were kind of like at that sort of bifurcation point. And, and man, you've, you've definitely made the right move <clears throat> and done. Well, there's several different roads we could go down here with this answer. Um, I, honestly, the main thing is like I've always produced my own music and released my own music since I was 12, you know? And so when I was in junior high, like I, I produced like MIDI music albums and I would sell them at school to my friends for $3, you know what I mean? And just kind of started that whole business. And then I, in college, I started recording with my band and we toured and we traveled and we did concerts and, you know, I sold albums. So I've just always done that. And then I kind of switched because I, you know, I, we started having kids and I was, on the road all the time and it was getting difficult. So I was like, Hey, what if I produce other people's music instead of my own? It was just kind of like this duh moment of like, I could maybe do this for other people. And so that's when I started recording, you know, other people's music. And then once I started, uh, so I was, I was kind of juggling, you know, doing my own music and other people's music. And then when, uh, when we started this TV film, you know, path and we started recording all these songs, you know, I had like 20 songs and I'm like, these are really cool. And we're pitching them and they're landing in trailers and TV shows, but like no one can ever hear these. So I was like, what if we just put them out, you know, in case someone likes to hear these, because when I was in high school, this is the exact kind of music I was looking for and listening to, you know what I mean? I'm like, there's gotta be someone that would like this. So I kind of reached out to all the people that I collabed with on those songs. I was like, Hey, I want to put out the cinematic producer album with different features on every song. Are you cool with that? And everyone's like, yeah. And then we put it out. So it was kind of like, it was kind of like the TV film placements were the focus. And then if it streams anything, that's just kind of an extra bonus. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and then over time, that streaming side has just really grown a lot, especially like on YouTube and Spotify and stuff. And so now it's, it's fun because the focus doesn't have to be so much on 
this has to land in a TV placement or else we don't get paid for the whole day we spent on this song. You know, that, that was the only payoff. And now we can look at it more like, Hey, there's an audience here. We can list, we could release cinematic songs and some might stream crazy. Some might not stream barely at all. Some might go viral on TikTok, but there's no pressure at all. It's just like, let's put these songs out and release music. And then if it lands in a TV placement, that's now that's the bonus. You know what I mean? And so we get to, um, just kind of share art with the world in a lot more different places now. You know what I mean? Cause I, I do have a lot of ideas, you know, like cover ideas or, you know, I did the Christmas album a few years ago as a cinematic Christmas album. Like those are so fun and life-giving to me to do. It's like a creative outlet for me to pour into, you know what I mean? And so I think I need that if I didn't do that and I was just producing artists, I think I would, go insane you know yeah well i mean you're you're extremely prolific i was scrolling through your spotify earlier i don't even know how many songs you put out or records you put out i mean just the cinematic don't you have like seven volumes of just the cinematic songs yeah i'm I'm finishing the eighth one now and i've done a few other like you know i did a covers album i did a christmas album i did the that glory over golly um it was a kind of a game of thrones concept record with flurry and some random singles and eps and stuff so but it's all it all lives in that house of like this dark cinematic sound but sometimes it can be beautiful and soft as well you know what i mean i'm not locked into everything sounding like dangerous and like avengers level epic you know what i mean Sometimes it could be a piano ballad with like just piano and strings and taking a song and changing it to something, you know, emotional or whatever. Yeah. I, I was good. I was going to ask about that specifically because a lot of these projects that you put out are, I guess you, as you said, like a concept record where it's, they're very like targeted. You've got like a six song EP called wedding songs, or you've got like your four yeah, song yeah. Creed collection that you did with Nicole Serrano. Like, <laughs> How do you, or is that just like, Hey, I've got this X amount of these type of songs build up. Let's just go ahead and put them out and not overthink it too much. Or what, what's, what's the thought process with, with doing, you know, these concept records? Yeah. Um, well, the, the Creed thing was kind of as a joke, like it's still like, it turned out cool and we love it, but we did like the idea of doing it was funny to us. So that's why we did it. And it didn't, I mean, it's been a few days on it, but like, I think we started with one Creed song, like the rock band, right? When we were in high school, that band was everywhere, right? I didn't even like Creed, honestly. I would just like, they were everywhere. And we did the cinematic version of With Arms Wide Open. And it came out and everyone really liked it. And I, w- and I texted Nicole, I was like, man, we, there's like three or four other really popular Creed songs. We should like do all of them and put out like a creed collection she's like i'm so down and i was like no i'm actually not kidding she's like no i'm not either and so she came over and we just did that and we it was so fun like flipping a song that everyone knows with nods to the original but some some of it we changed really drastically you know what i mean and so um that was just like a i think that was just like we had to get something creative out of our system you know what i mean um the wedding songs thing was just people were using our songs 
on Instagram reels a lot for wedding, like videos, wedding videographers and stuff, but we didn't have any good songs that were actually wedding songs. You know what I mean? That the music kind of sounded pretty, but the content wasn't even about relationships or love at all. And it was like kind of weird. So we're like, what if we just give them what they want? Like we make this project just mostly for like social feeds and weddings and even people to use at their actual, like, you know, ceremonies and stuff. And so it was just kind of a stripped down piano string project. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like, yeah, like these different ideas, just, uh, I like to think of things and then just like pull the trigger and do it. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes, you know, you can have these ideas of all these things you want to do and you write it down. And then two years later, you're looking back you're like, Oh yeah, that idea, but you're not inspired. Like when you first thought of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really hard to get yourself to like go back and do things that you wanted to do years ago. Cause you're always thinking of new things. So I think it's important to jump on it and like knock it out while you're thinking of it, while it's fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I mean, I can tell just, just even by that, that was kind of what I was inferring, even just by looking through this, it's, 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 you're not overthinking things too much. It's just, you, you feel like doing it in, in a good way. You, you, yeah. you feel like doing something, you do it. You're probably not spending, like you said, an inordinate amount of time on each of them, or maybe some of them you are, but you know, not, not every some of them. Some of them more than others, obviously, you know, the Christmas thing was, that was something I actually did want to do for a long time. And I just never had time to do it um, until the whole world quarantined. And then everyone kind of stopped coming out of their house and I had time alone to like actually do it in 2020. But like I, that took six months to do, but you know, the, the creed thing took like a week total probably, you know what I mean? And so, I, I do. I would say this, this is important. I think like my favorite part about this stuff is that there's so much less pressure and less overthinking, like you said, because it doesn't really, you know, there's not like this, I don't know. It's not like an artist is releasing a record and then they have to, they, they have to have a song for radio or two songs for radio that fit in this box and they have to make something that's, you know, current that people will listen to now that, you know, they're, they're always thinking of what do other people want to listen to? And that messes up the, you know, creativity as well. And then they have to tour the record and try to, you know, pay for a band and shows. And like, there's just that, that whole traditional artist career is a whole other thing when you can just, you know, collaborate with someone and make a crazy different version of a song that already exists or just write something uh, for sync and then you're like, yeah, I can add French horns in this and it sounds better for sync. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't want French horns in the song. This is like supposed to sound cinematic. You know what I mean? You can just kind of create with undictated by anyone else and just kind of freely make it. And I don't feel any pressure that like <clears throat> I have to put songs out that stream really well or that place 10 times in different things. Like I just I make something and I love it. And then we're just like, we get to choose to put it out. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think that a lot of people overthink like releases, right? Even like younger people who are just starting, they'll release one song every three years because they're just, you know what I mean? The release strategy and 
we need to plan and we have to follow it up with this and the video and all this stuff they think about and it, it slows them down. You know what I mean? So not, not to be uh, reckless with it and just throw, you know, stuff out. But I think there's a balance there. You know what I mean? To just like stay prolific, the word you used, you know, like just continuing to put a bunch of stuff out and some stuff will stick, some stuff won't. And like, don't be discouraged by things that, don't perform as well. Like if you had fun making it and you love it, then just share it with people who want to listen to it and do enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's gold for sure. And I, and I love it that you've built this whole artist thing without having to ever really leave your house. It's, it's you haven't had to go tour it. You haven't had to go like do any of that stuff. Well, I do have to leave um, to grab lunch every day. Yeah. But besides, besides, besides that you're right it's uh you know it's amazing like i get to i have more time now with my family and my kids than i've ever had before you know what i mean so to be able to do that is a huge blessing i don't take for granted yeah for sure and i you know we get we see you at church you're you know you're playing playing at church as well too and i i I believe that man that's that's amazing Mm. got your priorities straight for sure well, it's, it's, it's always a balance, right? Working on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, one thing I wanted to hit on too, and I, I don't think we really talked about this so much in our last interview, but I, I think this would be an encouragement to a lot of people who maybe feel like, well, you know, I don't necessarily sing, but I love making music. Like if, if I'm not mistaken, like, do you sing on any of your songs or is it, is it like just the music side and you're always working with a, like, a I don't, I don't anymore. Like I used to sing, that's just not my strength. And so like, I could do it. I could get by, you know, I'd sing in churches and stuff like that. And I have albums that you won't be able to find, uh, <laughs> of me, of me, you know, and I, I had, you know, the whole range of stuff, you know, that of me singing and, once I found that I could put my strength forward along with someone else's strength and we put those together and the product is so much better. That's like where I, that's what excites me. You know what I mean? I can, I can view different. I love pairing vocalists as though they're their specific tone and skill set and bag of tricks. What they bring is kind of like an instrument and you can put that lead instrument over different things. You know what I mean? And so, um, now I don't, I, yeah, I don't sing on anything. I just, sometimes I'll do instrumental tracks, but most of the time it's another singer on the tracks that I make. Yeah. And I think that should be a great encouragement for so many people listening is like, yeah, you can still write the songs. You can still create the music. It doesn't have to be your voice. Just pick the best voice for the song. And that's something we talk about, even like when you're pitching demos or whatever, you know, even outside of the sync world or or artist world, it's just find the best voice for the song. And and that's something that you, I just, you know, hats off to you and figuring that out and just, you know, finding people where you can be in your strengths and they can be in their strengths. Was there there like a moment that you kind of went all in on, on the collabs thing and and were just like, I'm just going to do this from now on. Um, I don't know. I think it was, it was that point that I mentioned where I was like, Hey, we should put these songs out. You know what I mean? And then seeing what that was and feeling like 
the freedom in it of like, I really enjoy doing this and I don't have to sing and focus on all these other things that I, I mentioned too. I, I can just kind of build these tracks and collaborate with friends. I mean, it just really feels like you're just kind of making music for fun with your friends. And then when you see it in some big thing, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, you know, like, cause I don't, I don't know. I don't like think about it. Once I pitch it and it goes out, I'm on to the next thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, that song is, Oh, it's in that. And it kind of just feels surreal a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm always kind of moving on to the, <clears throat> onto the next thing. So I, yeah, I don't know if, um, back to your question. I don't know if there was like a moment where it like dawned on me per se, other than as I was doing it, I just really loved it. And I just wanted to continue, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. I want to um, talk a little bit about kind of the business side of things a little bit, and then we're definitely going to uh, open it up to some audience Q&A as well. I know y'all out there listening have have some great questions to ask Tommy, so we definitely want to make sure we get to some of that at the end here. Um, but let's talk a little bit about just kind of the business side. How, how much of your sync success has been because you've gone out and built these direct relationships with supervisors or editors or directors and how much of it has been you just kind of making music, putting it out, letting people find it or, or, you know, letting your publisher kind of work it. Um, I don't think any of it is by going out and grinding on the relationship side of it. I do think that my, the, the team is core, like importance. Right. And so my publisher, which is capital and, uh, my team, uh, Wendy, you know, at resonate, like they've been pitching my stuff from the beginning. And so, you know, they have introduced me along the way to like people who have used my songs or people that are like, you know, <clears throat> are, are already using it, I guess you could say, but I, I haven't like had to go. I don't think that, I mean, I don't know. I, I only obviously know like my experience, you know what I mean? So I'm not saying that's not valid to do that. I don't know if it's valid to do that. I, I just know that I haven't really worked that angle of like, if I get to know this person, maybe they'll use my song in the trailer. You know what I mean? Cause I, to me, I'm like, they're going to use the song that works the best. They're not going to use, well, Tommy told me that one joke while I was drinking my lemonade at first watch, like maybe I'll use his <laughs> song. You know what I mean? Like they're just going to go with what feels the best. And, and honestly, th those people, are their trailer houses that are third party hires from the movie studio or the director, or whatever. And they, you know, there's usually three different or four, or whatever different places that make a trailer for one movie and they all send it to the movie studio and the movie studio watches it and they pick their favorite. So all these, all these trailer houses are kind of bidding for the job. They do the work, they send it in. And they hope that they get it. They, their trailer is the one that is picked. You know what I mean? And so one of those trailer houses might use my song as their option for their trailer. But then there's three other trailer houses that are making another cut with a different song. You know what I mean? And so um, that's, that's how that has worked, you know, in the past when they choose the trailer that's cut and I'm talking movie trailers more than TV promos. You know, I don't think, I don't think TV promos are as, uh, what's the word as 
you know, intense is like not as big of a process. Yeah. So, and can you maybe speak to that a little bit too, just the process of like, if you're trying to write for a movie trailer versus having your song placed in Grey's Anatomy or whatever, or on a commercial or in a video game, like all of those are probably a radically different process. Like I imagine with some of them, you're maybe writing to a, a specific brief and others, you're just kind of like your teams maybe sending in songs that could potentially fit. So I don't personally really do um, briefs. I have before. I just don't really like it because there's a hundred people all making one song for one scene or one trailer. Right. Uh, actually that's how the Gloria Regali album came to be. We, we got a brief for um, a trailer for the last season of game of Thrones and neither me or flurry had ever even seen the show. We just, we kind of watched the trailers and we, you know, we obviously know the, the setting and the tone and all that. And so we made a song for game of Thrones and we were like, this is perfect. How could they not pick it? Right. And then they didn't pick it. They decided to go with like the, their, uh, the composer for the show was doing some special customs for the trailers. So we had this song we're like, man, this was so fun to make. What if we did a whole album of game of Thrones style music, you know? So that was an example where we did try it, but most of the time I feel like landing a brief is, you know, you're literally one out of a hundred or more. And so back to that, like undictated low pressure freedom. I think we just like to create songs that sound like they would go in something, but we don't know where they're going to land. You know what I mean? So we don't necessarily think, all right, this is for Grey's Anatomy. Let's make this. All right, this is for a trailer for a movie, you know, that's underwater and a monster. Let's make that, you know, we don't like think specifically because then you're narrowing in on it has to get, it has to land in that thing or else it's just kind of a failure. You know what I mean? So we just kind of see where it goes. And some things are like, I don't know if this will end anywhere, but it sounds pretty cool. Let's just make it. And you're just kind of surprised, you know what I mean? With where, where it goes. Does that make sense? Cause even, even, yeah. you know, Grey's Anatomy, we did, we did a song. We did a cover of chasing cars on the wedding songs album. And I've never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy in my life. I didn't even know that that song was a big part of the show. And so we found out after we finished it, Grey's Anatomy is looking for a cover of Chasing Cars. Do you have one? I was like, oh, we just finished one. I'm like, yeah. And we sent it in and they used it in the show and it's been used several times now. And like, I didn't even know, I still haven't seen the show, but apparently that song is like the song for the show and it's a big deal. You know what I mean? And so even in that scenario, we didn't make it for that. We just kind of created it because we thought the cover was like, it was a beautiful version of it, you know? Yeah. I love that. And that's just so freeing for, I'm sure a lot of people to hear. You're just, you're just creating to create. You're not so much having a scene on in the background and having to like target. You're just making something that moves you in the moment. And ultimately that's where, you know, I think people can hear through that in the music, but it's authentic. And that's, that's what we all start with is like, if it moves us, that's step one. Right. Yeah. And dude, that's what I was going to share too. Like it's, for TV and film stuff, it really is about the emotion and that emotion can be big and frantic and chaotic, or it could be like sad, like emotional. Uh, 
or it could just be like this powerful, like just moving, like your heart is just, you feel it. You know what I mean? Like most of the songs I do, they start really small and they crescendo and they, they have a moment at some point, you know what I mean? Where there's either a big swell and the choir comes in or a big note with a big singer or the brass or some big thing hits. Like I like like, you know, epic, you know, moments, I guess you could say. Um, but not everything has to have that. But I do think that it's about the emotion and conveying emotion, almost like a composer when he's scoring a movie. You know, you're you're creating an emotion for the scene that people are watching, you know? And so um, that's, you know, when you listen back to what you're making, like, does it have emotion? Would someone want to put this behind a scene or a promo of a hospital drama on CVS, I'm just making this up, right? Of someone that is, you know, about to lose their life and the doctors are like struggling and like, is, is the music and the soft piano, does it sound emotional or is it just kind of like, yeah, the, you're hitting the chords and the music's right, but it just doesn't have the feeling in it. You know what I mean? So putting that feeling in the music is number one top priority. Mm. That's, that's so well said. I love that. Um, I want to ask a few more questions then definitely leave time to open it up for some audience Q and a, uh, what is the sync landscape, at least in your perspective, look like now versus how it maybe was five years ago? Has you, have you seen it changing, um, you know, maybe accessibility to creators like yourself? What, what, uh, yeah. What, where do you kind of see it versus when you first started getting into it? I definitely think there's a lot more people doing it there's a lot more people that want to do it because I, I don't think a lot of people knew about it, including myself. I didn't know about it. Right. And, you know, capital asked me, I was like, what's that? I, I think a lot of artists signed and unsigned dream of having their songs in a TV show or sync placement, but they don't have a clue how to do that or what to do. And if I'm honest, most of the time artists are locked into a thing of like, I want it to work for my album. And then if it works for sync, that's kind of the secondary, right? Like, but it has to fit my, my album project. And for me, my album projects are the sync sound. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm kind of more narrowed in a lot of artists wouldn't want to put the song on their album, even if it is perfect for, you know, a show or something. But I do think that there's a lot of artists that are like, I'd love to do that. And maybe they want to work with someone else. You know, maybe they want to feature on one of my albums because that's what it's for. And they're just featuring, but it's not like their official release. You know what I mean? But <clears throat> I think there's just people are finding out that it's more accessible. There's more people submitting songs than ever before. And it pays well too. Right. And so when artists are hearing this, like, whoa, a placement could get this. And they're, you know, that's the thing I would, I would not chase it just because of the financial return on it. You know what I mean? Because the same thing Seth, you said, like you'll be able to tell that it's not genuine. If you're just, you know, you're just trying too hard just to try to get some kind of movie trailer paycheck. You know what I mean? Like doing it because you love it and it moves you is different than, Oh man, I, I could put out singles, but TV, TV and film pays better. So I'm just going to try to do that, but you're not passionate about it. You know what I mean? And you're just kind of making it to, you know, on the flip side, I, I think it's, 
detrimental to anyone in a creative space to work on something they're not passionate about. There, nothing will kill a person inside more than that, doing that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so well said. Um, and lastly, just wanted to say a big congrats. You recently did your first big live performance at, uh, at Belmont with a full orchestra. Uh, what, what, oh, was, man. what was that experience like and how, how did that come, come to be? That was a dream as well. That was unreal. I'm still, um, trying to process it. That was for the Christmas album I did. Um, it was kind of something I didn't think I, I didn't think, I didn't think we could actually pull it off because there's, there's 20 artists involved. Right. And there's a, full 60 piece orchestra as well as a hundred person choir. And I don't do live events in, I haven't in a long time. And at least in this era, I guess you could call it of me putting out these cinematic songs. <clears throat> I've never sold tickets or tried to do a live event, but we just didn't know if it would work, but we decided to go for it and um, record it and filmed it and made this, you know, a live special out of it that, I've been working on since January, uh, even today, still working on it. So that's kind of what I've been working on, um, all year so far, but yeah, it was just crazy. Like why I like that is, you know, we talked about like touring and doing all this stuff. Like I, I still feel like doing one night a year doing a big Christmas show in Nashville is something that, um, I could handle, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm touring for months and months away from my family. And so, um, that was probably the most, probably one of the most fun things I've ever done. Yeah. Getting to do it live. You know what I mean? <clears throat> That's amazing. And when, when can, uh, when, when are you expecting to, to put it out? Uh, it'll be this Christmas at some point, November, December, whatever. Um, we have a lot of, we got a lot of cool, exciting opportunities with the video. You know, it's all, it's all filmed. And so we have opportunities to, potentially land like a streaming service with that. So we're working on, we're working on that. Like, where is it going to land exactly the video side of it? We could always throw it up on YouTube if it doesn't, you know, land something, but <clears throat> we're, we ha we're having some conversations about streaming or TV or something like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, um, I, I definitely for one want to want to be there next time you do it. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will as well. So if people want our plan sorry, our plan ahead. is to do our plan is to do like an annual show um and just kind of doing it bigger every year and seeing where it goes you know so our, we, we are planning to do it this year as well i love it so um where can people find out about it whenever tickets go on sale how can people follow you see what all is going on um, honestly, just all of the places <laughs> my, I mean, Instagram is probably my most used, I would say, um, social media, but Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I have a website that I keep up to date pretty well. Um, it's all Tommy profit, just two M's, two E's, one F, two T's. That awesome. no one ever gets that right. So if, as long as you spell my name, right, you'll be able to find me. <laughs> I love it. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for being on here with us today. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made It in Music podcast. In addition to this episode, we also recorded a Q&A session where some of the songwriters in our Song Chasers community were able to ask their own questions. We'll release that episode shortly after this one. Make sure to check out other episodes of the Made It in Music podcast. We have well over 100 interviews with some of the top music industry pros, many here in Nashville and many from all over the world. Subscribe to make sure that you automatically get future episodes and leave us a review if you loved it. It would really help us out or send an email to support at fullcirclemusic.com if you have ideas for how we can improve the show. If you would like to become a Song Chasers member and attend these training sessions live, head over to joinsongchasers.com to learn more. You also get additional exclusive trainings from Seth Mosley. You get our Track Suite Pro software. You get song reviews from me and my team. And you get access to a custom social media network we created exclusively for songwriters and musicians. There's nothing else like it on the internet. Go to joinsongchasers.com to learn how to join and check out madeitmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.